Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on February 26, 2021. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce has been serving the community since 1941. It is an association of businesses, other entities, and individuals organized to encourage a strong local economy and quality of life by promoting commerce, sound government, and an informed membership and community. I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the president and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman. Um, Hey, Kelly, how are you today? Hey, Joe. Um, Good morning. Happy Friday. I am fantastic. Um, It's Friday, and it's a beautiful day. It's sunny. Um, No clouds in the sky, just the birds chirping. The first signs of spring are popping up. The flowers are happy. (laughs) You know, the waves are moving. (laughs) What else could we ask for? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful day. It is. It is, it is, so, it is. And, um, you know, I look at that ocean every day when I'm on my way to the office, and you see those waves rolling in and just always blessed. It just kind of sets my mood for the day. And whenever I get a little off during the day, I just poke my head back out to the, the street, look down the street, and I'm like, okay, there's the ocean. Life is good. <laughs> oh, anyways. <laughs> How was your week? Well, I'm excited. Uh, This week was a uh, wonderful, um, you know, uh, it's beautiful up here in Lakeport, California. It's beautiful up here. Um, The the seasons are definitely changing up here. The days are getting a little bit longer. Um, It's still a little bit chilly in the mornings. It was uh, about 32 degrees this morning. Um, but, uh, it's, it's wonderful and it's full of life and, and we really love it. It's beautiful. And I'm, I'm told the cleanest air in California, Lakeport, California. Well, go take (laughs) some big, deep breaths for all of us. Um, the cleanest air. I'm not, not sure I can say that about Southern California, but, um, we'll live vicariously. (laughs) (laughs) okay okay um so you want to hear about what's happened in the last week yes please tell me what's going on in (laughs) well the ever-changing world of outdoor dining continues to evolve and revolve um we uh tried a little experiment for a few weeks but closing down part of a street in downtown manhattan beach and although it was lovely if you were sitting in that area that's all built out with 
beautiful planter walls and lights and everything. Um, you know, whenever you shut down one street or even a block in particularly downtown Manhattan Beach, um, even anywhere really, we, uh, we live in such a tight you know, community with not a lot of real estate for more vehicles, um, it, you know, it creates other traffic problems and what have you. So that little experiment uh, was, you know, is now over and we've opened up the street. So anybody, you know, who might have been frustrated can return and drive through you know, Manhattan Beach with a little more ease. But outdoor dining continues and, you know, we're still relegated to that. There's no indoor dining yet. And, um you know, we are blessed to have um, a beautiful town and views and weather where we can do outdoor dining. We're still, of course, following all the protocols and, you know, spacing everything eight feet apart and what have you. But, um, you know, we try and um, we continue. So anybody mm-hmm. listening, streets are back open, you know, back open, and there's plenty of outdoor dining, so come on down. There, North Manhattan Beach continues um, the same, too. So it's going to be a beautiful weekend. It's exciting. It should be busy everywhere, and I'm excited for people to, you know, get outside and enjoy everything our town has to offer. Um, this uh, this week we had State of the City, the annual State of the City address, um, which you right. know is always a big deal. Every city, that's a big deal. And it's a time when uh, the mayor and the department heads get to kind of recap the last year and, and talk about what they're, you know, working on uh, for the current year. And it's always enlightening because it's set in a um, – in a, in a way that is not a city council meeting, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, executes the event, and I moderated it, and it allows for a little more dialogue and, you know, discussion that wouldn't always be in more of a formal um, city council meeting with some of the, you know, the rules of engagement there. So always very, very interesting. The good news is, um, according to the mayor and the city manager and all the department heads, is the state of Manhattan Beach is still very good. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that's good, encouraging news. And despite the, the pandemic and, you know, the drop, obviously, in sales tax and um, so many other restrictions, you know, lack of TOT tax at the hotels and even parking revenue, you know, all those things are down. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, our, we have a very smart city um, and leadership that has, you know, um, prepared, let's just say, you know, for a rainy day. Now, um, I'm not sure they, you know, we're fully prepared for a rainy year, <laughs> rainy, but um, yeah, that rainy day that rainy day fund um, was very, you know, smartly kept and they've been navigating, um, you know, throughout the last year and making uh, adaptations and, and things to, and to survive this. So hopefully now that um, a few things are starting to reopen, we can get um, back, you know, um, pointed, you know, turn the needle back in a positive direction um, with revenue coming into all the businesses and then into the city too. Um, Really great news this week, you know, down here is K through sixth grade um, at our in our school district will be going back to school officially on Monday. Um, I think I heard you know a, a huge applause, um, not in state of the city, but throughout the town. <laughs> um, you know when that was announced, I think um, kids are excited, parents are excited. Um, it, you know, for the business community, that means 
you know, all those parents, God bless them, who have been home for the last year, theoretically, in a way, homeschooling, you know, although, you know, online school with their kids and their teachers um, can now um, themselves mm-hmm. get back to work um, more thoroughly or at least get out and move around during the day, too. So that's very, very exciting news. Um, I have a neighbor who's a fifth grade teacher, and she had the biggest smile on her face from ear to ear. <laughs> Um, and she was so excited. <laughs> and she's like, it's crazy because there's plexiglass partitions you know, in between, you know, the seats, the desk and everything. She goes, but we're ready, you know, and we're getting everybody back online. And, um, you oh know, everybody, God. you know, has continued to adapt no matter what industry you're in, but, but particularly in the education to get these kiddos back in school um, and socializing. I mean, right. learning in person, but socializing and seeing all their friends and seeing their teachers and, just having, you know, that experience, at least for the next couple of months until school ends, you know, in June, hopefully it will stick. Hopefully we won't, we won't have another surge where we have to, you know, shut down again. I, hopefully we're past that and the vaccines will continue to roll out. So, um, and with that note, the vaccines are now um, starting Monday will be um, offered to more emergency workers, um, like security guards, also teachers and, and other populations too. So we're very, very excited. And those vaccines can't continue to roll in fast enough, but I really see this as a positive light in, you know, one step in a positive direction of reopening and, and moving back towards getting Mm -hmm. on track. It'll take a long time, but, um, you know, I see a lot of smiles on faces and a little bit of relief. It's like that little pressure gasket just released, you know, <laughs> some steam. So mm, um, very, right. very, very excited about that. Um, anyways, um, and right. then we have this couple really neat events um, coming up um, today and tomorrow, the first ever um, International Film Festival um, has is going to be happening in Manhattan Beach over at the Manhattan Village Shopping Center um, up on top. It's going to be drive-in movie style because um, we still can't, you know, be inside movie theaters or what have you. So um, former mm-hmm. Mayor Nick Tell, uh, his son goes to DePaul University, and him and uh, one of his classmates mm-hmm. are putting on an international film festival um, here. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, the benefits, uh, it'll benefit the Roundhouse Aquarium. So uh, very exciting. They're, they have a very interesting lineup of um, creators and producers that are going to be showing their movies, short, you know, short film style. And um, it will be fun. It's something different, you know, for Manhattan Beach. And bravo to these young minds, um, college students who are putting this on. It's called Florana. Um, is the name of the mm-hmm. festival, and um, it's been put together, the Florana Festival. It's been put together just in the last couple months. Um, tickets, I think, are still available. I'm on their website right now. Uh, it does not say sold out yet, so you can go to Florana, which is F-L-O-R-A-N-A, festival, floranafestival.com, mm-hmm. and purchase your tickets there. And, again, um, the proceeds, you know, will go towards – um, the Roundhouse Aquarium, which um, is a much-loved um, gem in Manhattan Beach. So that yeah. is very exciting. Yes. And then um, our good friend, and um, 
chamber member and the recipient of the Bob Maestro Local Legend Award in 2019 at the Best of Manhattan Awards, um, Yanni Corey, uh, founder of Next Step Fitness, um, you know, started here, has several locations across the country, helping um, people recover or navigate through any level of paralysis and brain injuries. Um, he has a very interesting uh, world premiere um, uh, movie coming up uh, of him and his last journey across the United States, of course, in his you know wheelchair. Mm. He's done this a couple times now. And um, there, all you have to do is join Next Step Fitness. You can join for $1 a day um, and just support his cause. Um, he you know, he um, makes affordable treatment available to people that have been devastated by an accident, an illness, you know, a brain injury or whatever, and such um, a great cause. And unfortunately, um, my computer is glitching at the moment, and I can't see. Oh. It's, um, I, will, I will get back to that. I, I wanted to give the information, but it's not coming up at the moment. So um, my apologies. If I can get back to that, I will. So anyways, um, it's kind of movie time, you know. And then our State of the City is live now, too, on our uh, Manhattan Beach YouTube channel. Um, people who missed it or people who um, had to maybe tune out early because, of course, it was on Zoom um, can go to the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce YouTube channel and watch um, the State of the City or replay it or share it with a friend, um, you know, whatever they want to do and um, catch up on, on, on what we talked about. So here, I'm getting back to Yanni. It's now come up. Uh, the, the, the screening is of The Next Step. It's a, an amazing world premiere it will not be available you know on youtube after this it's you have to tune in you have to pay to watch it and again the proceeds go to uh, the next step um, foundation and that is on march 5th at 6 p.m and you can find details about that at next step 365 so next step 365.org and um uh, he has an amazing story. His story continues to evolve. So I encourage people to tune in and, and you know, check that out. So that's what's going on. Joe, what do you think? All right. I think that's uh, that's a lot that's going on in the world of Manhattan <laughs> Beach and the South Bay. <laughs> am I ever for I, a lack of I am words? so excited. <laughs> no, I'm so excited about our, our next guest because I think that – Emerging from this past year, the year that shall not be named, is um, going to be largely a mental health challenge for children, for adults in general, and um, the entire, you know, sort of our everything is uh, is affected, whether it's uh, finance or the art world or certainly um infrastructure, everything has been affected by this. The idea of children going to school separated by plexiglass, I just, I never imagined it. Never. Um, I, I agree. And 
plexiglass is everywhere. I remember the first time I went into a business, you know, I think to order a coffee or something, or, or actually it was like um, I went to AAA to adjust my auto insurance, and I was talking through plexiglass and a mask and everything, like, and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I can't, you know, can you speak up? <laughs> it's, um, yeah, what a movie. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, who's our guest today? Okay, Joe. Uh, we have a returning guest this morning. I'm very excited. We had her on the show about six months ago, so it'll be fun to see how um, her world has evolved in the last six months. Dr. Martha Koo, founder of the Neuro Wellness Spa in uh, the South Bay. Dr. Koo completed her undergraduate studies at Princeton University, where she graduated magna cum laude and her medical training at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Dr. Koo obtained her psychiatry residency training at the Resnick Neuropsychiatric Institute at UCLA and her subsequent psychoanalytic training at the New Center for Psychoanalysis. She is board certified in psychiatry and board certified in addiction medicine. For over 20 years, Dr. Koo has enjoyed her private practice, providing outpatient psychotherapy, uh, psychoanalysts, and pharmacological treatment for individuals, couples, and family. She is a pioneer in the development and application of transcranial magnetic stimulation, otherwise known as TMS. Dr. Koo opened the South Bay TMS Therapy Center in 2009. South Bay TMS has evolved into, neuro, into the Neuro Wellness Spa, where Dr. Koo is medical director and offers IV ketamine, IV nutrition, and photobiomodulation, along with TMS therapy. Since they last spoke with her, um, she has been elected to the board of directors for the Beach City's Health District. Um, she is one busy woman, and today we are going to talk about a MERT breakthrough, treatment that combines the application of transcranial magnetic stimulation with EEG and EKG, for a tailored treatment approach. Um, she feels it is really relevant to the South Bay as it is a new and effective approach for the treatment of ADHD, addiction, dementia, and so much more. Dr. Koo, it's a pleasure to have you uh, join us today. I remember six months ago, we said, we gotta have her back, but there's so much more to discuss. And um, I, I have a feeling we're gonna be saying mm -hmm. that at the end of today too. So welcome to the show, Martha. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Kelly. And Kelly and Joe, it's really fabulous to be back. I appreciate the invite. It, it, to say that we live, Martha, in unprecedented times is so old and, you know, uh, <laughs> such a, a cliche. <laughs> uh, no one has ever lived through these kinds of times with the amount of people we have in the world, with the interconnectedness globally, um, you know, thousands of planes landing every day in every corner of the world, coming from every corner of the world. We are ripe, and this is you know, uh, every every everyone who studies this has been planning and predicting the uh, potential for a global pandemic. If ever there was a need for um, better tools for mental health, 
it would be now. Give us a little picture of what Neural Wellness Spa does, but in specifics, do you think that this is a new day because of of the whole, you know, what do they say, Uh, uh, COVID-19 syndrome or whatever? I don't know. Absolutely, Joe. Yeah, that was a really great descriptive and and summary. I think um, we sort of referring a lot to the mental health issues as the the COVID echo pandemic. Um, But now it's pretty Mm. overlapped. I think, you know, I remember Kelly, like you mentioning me being here six months ago. and, And I think most of us at that point, we're still thinking, oh, well, when we get back to normal, right, when we get to normal, and now it's definitely what's the new normal. And um, maybe even verging mm-hmm. on, you know, will we ever go out and about without masks? Um, but the, there's been huge advantages for mental health, um, you know, during this time. You know, sadly, there's, you know, Kelly even mentioned economically and changes in our city and how we've, people have been socially isolated. It's been hard. Uh, I think the, the benefits for mental health is people are so much more willing to talk about mental health issues uh, there's a, there's been great improvements in accessibility with telehealth. Um, I think that's that's mm-hmm. really been huge. Uh, yeah, sadly, we are seeing greatly increasing rates of addiction, depression, anxiety, um, PTSD in particular. You know, even some domestic violence issues. So so it's it's a, just a really tricky and complicated time, but. I'm a pretty, I think, optimistic and positive person, and I do like to focus on the fact that, you know, those issues have always been there. Uh, they've been there, I think, with a little bit more um, people feeling self-conscious and, and sort of a hidden quality, and I do think it's it's nice that people are much more openly talking about their mental health. And um, we do have many really great new and novel tools, and that's just reference to what you were just you know, sort of talking about that even TMS now has, we have a, a fabulous new technology where we can individualize the treatment much more specifically uh, to be actually treating the brain itself rather than to be highlighting a specific diagnosis. Um, that being said, it extends, a, you know, really good efficacy beyond just depression and anxiety to uh, PTSD, ADHD, uh, traumatic brain injury, um, even peak performance, so it's it's really exciting, um, and I can't. I mean, I can't just wait to be having it go on more and and see what we see with the results. We are. I don't feel confident and uh, in in explaining or delineating what neural wellness spa does, Martha. I'm going to lean on you a lot. Okay. Give us the Perfect. top five um, areas of uh, modalities that you believe that uh, people really need to come in and look at or inquire about that Neuro Wellness Spa provides. Perfect. So definitely the the top modality would be transcranial magnetic stimulation. And what that is, is it's a non-medication uh, treatment, FDA-approved for depression, OCD, and actually cigarette cessation. It uses um, a high-intensity magnet to focally target and stimulate the neurons that we know are not firing well in those illnesses. So 
the short way I like to think about it for people is it's a little bit like physical therapy for the brain. So we know enough in neuroscience to really know which neurons are not firing. It's really more neural circuits, entire circuits. And we can focally target those and stimulate those neurons and get them working. And um, that would be, I think, a very top modality to come to Neuro Wellness Spa for. It's, it's covered by insurance, and it's more than twice as effective as medication, and it's really well tolerated. Practically no side effects. A few people mm. get a little headache the first few days, and that's it. So that would be, I, I think, mm-hmm. really the top, top modality. Second to that, um, which is also a TMS modality, but it's called MERT, which stands for Magnetic mm. resonance Therapy. And the cool thing about MERT is we get to do an EEG first on the individual, and we look at that specific individual's brain waves and how they're functioning. And when our brain is working really well, there's a lot of synchrony, right? Our brain waves should be firing similarly in all parts of our brain and and communicating well in in a parallel fashion. So we can see that and then we send that off and the, the company gives us a TMS protocol specifically for that individual. And then we repeat those EEGs every 10 sessions and it's really cool for patients because they get to actually look at their brain and how their brain is changing. So um, it adds a, a really lovely concrete feedback rather than just their, them clinically feeling better. And that's expanded then um, really for treatments on what you say, Brain brain symptoms that we consider a little bit more global rather than a specific circuit. So when we're looking at ADHD, addiction, right, traumatic brain injury effects, um, PTSD, obviously it's not generally one circuit. And so the MERT device allows us to uh, really treat those individuals highly effectively. Same thing. It's, uh, it, it's you come in five days a week in and out about a half hour, really no side effects. That is not covered by insurance um, currently, but we are working hard to get it that way. Uh, The third one I would say is really, you know, we have a great team of psychiatrists and we do do medication management, right? So, I mean, the idea of these other other tools are if, if someone has not responded, you know, I think, or doesn't want to take a medication or can't tolerate medications, but medications do have a place. And, uh, you know, they're simple to use and cost-effective. And the problem is we just don't really get great results often for most people. And studies will show that really about only 30% of people on their first medication will get into remission, right? And so we really want to treat people fully, right, not have them walking around with partially treated depression or anxiety. Um, but we have a great team of doctors that will, will do that. And then we have IV ketamine therapy. So I would say maybe that's fourth on the list. Um, Amazing uh, therapy primarily for treatment-resistant depression, depression with chronic pain, um, PTSD in particular also, and -hmm. um, and anxiety. And that's a little bit, right, more intensive to do. Uh, You can't drive yourself to and fro for the IV ketamine, but that's an actual infusion. And then we have IV nutrition, including NAD, and I would rank that as super high, too. So NAD is a actually coenzyme we have in every cell of our body. It's, it's, we, it declines with age. It definitely declines with chronic illness. And it's really important for ATP production, right? ATP is like our basic, you know, 
energy for all our cells in terms of like our battery. And when we increase it, NAD, mm-hmm. we, we do better with eliminating toxic stress, eliminating nitric oxide, um, having our mitochondria work well. So when you do an NAD infusion, I mean, it's amazing, but energy you feel, sort of the cognitive clarity, uh, people's sleep gets better. And um, so I don't know if that was too much, but try a quick summary of what I would definitely no. say the top five great services. <laughs> I think uh, uh, we don't want to scare people, and I don't think that was scary. <laughs> I think when when we talk about let's talk about let's talk about this, Martha. Most people think that people sleep. What? Well, I, I think that most people out everything out there in one fell swoop. <laughs> um, sleep is so critical to so many levels of our lives, whether it's performance, whether it's recovery. Um, But most people don't really understand sleep in the sense that your body needs some rest, but your body is a, is a machine. Your mind needs cleansing the reason that sleep is so important, let me, let me get this out and see, see what yeah. your reaction is. The reason that sleep is so important is that your brain is designed not to flush toxins. Your brain and the cells of your brain don't flush toxins on a regular basis when you're awake. At night, when you're sleeping, your brain is in recovery mode because it's now able to focus on flushing toxins and, and refreshing its, itself. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely, and you're, you're very correct. I mean, if I had to say one thing that we could all do, and no matter what someone's struggling with um, is that would help, it would be, be a good night's sleep. And our brains do need, right, it's not just rest. Um, you hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'll sleep, you know, I'll sleep when I die. Um, but it's, mm. it's crucial to health. Um, sleep is, is a time when our, our brain is in a, it's not only a restore, but I would say even in a repairing mode. And, um, mm. you know, you also notice some of the opposite, right? People have used sleep deprivation, right, as sort of a, a punishment, and uh, people really can actually end up going psychotic without the ability to get into sleep, into deep sleep. So um, sleep allows us to, yeah, re- reduce toxins in our brain, sort of reset, uh, sort of it's very curative. And, you know, that's been a problem during the COVID. A lot of people have let their sleep-wake schedules get completely out of whack. So we also have in our bodies, the mind-body, we have a circadian rhythm that is biologically driven to ensure that if we don't fight against it. So the best things people can do is say if you get out and have natural sunlight at least 45 minutes between 7 and 11 a.m., because that goes right along with our circadian rhythm and helps, you know, our pineal gland and our brain is what releases melatonin, which helps with that circadian rhythm. So you get out in the morning, hopefully at least 45 minutes between those times, and you ideally you want to get to bed uh, 10 or 11. And studies do show that sleeping between pretty much 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. are the most restorative times for our brain. 
Um, mm. And then, you know, now there's all the stuff that we know we shouldn't do at night. You know, you avoid caffeine late at night, obviously exercise, help us sleep, um, having a good sleep um, hygiene schedule, like our bedtime routine, but really avoiding, right, avoiding TV, cell phone, iPads, um, crucial with the blue light. And um, it sort of bums me out now. I have all these patients come in, and they're like, oh, I got those those glasses, right, what are the blue light glasses. And I'm like, <laughs> can we just put our cell phones down, right, and whatever, read a book. Um, so now there's these workarounds, <laughs> but it's better than, you know, it's better than not having them, I guess, and being on your laptop. Um but that, all those things are, are crucial. Um, one thing I found out, uh, Joe, which is interesting, having like when I train on the Merck system, is every time we blink, it really is a, a sort of a second of restoration for our brain. It puts our brain in alpha wave activity, which is sort of a restorative. It's alert, awake, but eyes closed, um, resting state. And actually, it, mm-hmm. it allows our brain some, some restoration. Uh, which I didn't know. I thought that was just interesting. I remember when you were little and you did that, um, like, challenge where you looked at your friend and, like, who could not blink the longest? Um, I was like, gosh, like, and I was, you know, I was pretty competitive, and so I was like, well, what do I do with my brain during all that time? Anyway, that's not a good game. <laughs> you should blink. So if you blink that's more often, does your brain restore more so? Like, is it, and let me just say, is it kind of like a natural blink? Like, cause we, you know, I think all of us just blink. It's an automatic response uh, for the most part, right. with a healthy brain. Um, but mm-hmm. if you, if let's just say you purposely blink your eyes, you know, more rapidly for a few seconds or whatever, like blink, 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 you know, do, is there any uh, difference between that and just like kind of that natural blink, like cycle, let's call it? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if they've done actually studies to test that, but there are a lot of studies that show that can measure people's, uh, you know, the frequency of their blinking, and it is related to some dopaminergic activity in the front of the brain. So um, I, I think that we all have, I mean, just like we all have our own circadian rhythm and back to the sleep, right? You know, some people really do need, are, are fine with seven hours. Some people really need nine, right? There's there's variability with the general population. With the blinking, there's also variability in what our natural, like, like you say, Kelly, it's it's sort of an automatic reflex, and we do it. And, I, and so I would say, in general, your natural rate is what's good for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, mm-hmm. where I would extend that is not just thinking of blinking more, but you know, taking five minutes out of every hour and maybe just closing your eyes and doing a little, like, you could do a breathing exercise, a little meditative exercise, maybe a body scanning, that definitely would add restoration. And most people would say they feel a little more, you know, they avoid the doldrums in the afternoon, the sort of like postprandial, you know, post-lunch fatigue when they can do that. Um, so what I would say is rather than like, just think about blinking more, I would say, take, take a, a more mindful few minutes and it's not long. I mean, it's it could, even two minutes. I mean, people don't really sure. you know, just sit there and like set a timer for two minutes and have your eyes closed. Like it feels like a long time, right? Um, sounds short, but that's very restorative, um, for the mind and the body. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, and that's kind of what I was uh, was getting at. Is it mm-hmm. is there you know any correlation or difference between kind of you know that natural blinking or 
and I don't want to say forced because that doesn't sound very relaxing, but as I say, intentional right. mm-hmm. uh, closing, yeah. you know, of the eyes and whether it's intentional blinking, a longer blink, or like you just said, and you answered the question, um, you know, closing your eyes for five minutes, even, even 50 seconds, I think, <laughs> and taking the yes. deep breath, or, you know, and maybe blowing out the air, like we call it duck breaths. We've learned, you know, from our friends at Lifter Leadership, but that whole process, because I think usually when somebody, maybe you stand up and you're like, okay, and you take a deep breath, and often you do close your eyes along with that, right? Just automatically. Yes. So um, kind of that cleansing of the brain, cleansing of the lungs, and, and, and restoring. Um, I think we all need to do that um, more often. Absolutely. <laughs> no, you know, and, and you're right. Isn't yeah. Like you say, when you stand up and often you stretch or whatever, you do automatically. Like our, our minds. You know, this gets back to sort of the services that now in, I think, um, mental health in general, that, you know, there's so much more emphasis on the mind and body's capacity to heal itself. And rather than be giving individuals, uh, you know, like a medication or something that is, is going to be an external source of treating them or, quote, unquote, curing them, uh, using these strategies that are really just like assisting the mind and body to, to do what it does best. It just needs to like a little push. And I think we're finding obviously those treatments are, you know, they're much more tolerable as they should because they're natural. Um, and they're more effective and durable because we're really, it's just sort of giving the, what you say, the nudge, right. That it, that sure. it needs. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of that reset button, I call it. Um, so, Dr. Q, I have a question. Let's go back to um, sure. number one, the, the TMS. Um, yes. When you were describing that treatment and you said, you know, when this is really to help treat the neurons when they're not firing well. So Correct. other than, um, for, you know, what causes neurons not to fire well? Is it, I mean, other than maybe perhaps, you know, a very traumatic experience or an injury or something, but just, mm-hmm. let's just say cruising along day to day, you know, what um, causes neurons not to fire well? Great question. Essentially, right, the, we're looking at a diagnosis or a medical illness. So just like you would say, well, what causes the pancreas not, the pancreatic cells, right, not to release maybe insulin as they should and somebody ends up with diabetes, you can think of mm-hmm. the neurons the same way, right? So when we look at illnesses like depression and anxiety, we're looking at really um, biological illnesses pretty much genetically based. Like we know that uh, there's, you know, they're genetically driven. So somebody's maybe born with a propensity to have depression or not. Um, not all of us can get depressed, right? Some of us just do not have the genetic makeup to have that happen. Uh, other of us have that potential and then there's where the combination between sort of probably life events and then severity of the predetermined genetics comes into play right so mm. people get confused well if I'm born with depression I don't feel depression you know maybe till I'm 22 or, or 30 and um, that's where it's like well the accumulation of, of life stressors or life events like what's going to really push somebody over combination mm-hmm. between biology and environment so essentially what makes the neurons not fire well is, is thinking of it just as, well, 
they have depression or they have anxiety or they have PTSD. And some of it's biologically driven, right? Not everybody would get there no matter what their stressors are, um, but usually a combination of um, the biology and the, right, and the environment. Um, mm-hmm. So, right, people don't often think of neurons the same, but they're really like every other cell. Like I say, it's a pancreatic cell and diabetes or even a muscle cell, right? When you, your arm comes out of a cast, let's say, and your muscle's all wasted, right? I mean, you go back to the gym and you work out and you build that muscle back up. And so it's thinking of that sort of in the same way. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes that makes that makes a lot of sense. I um, I, I find all of your different uh, like kind of menu of treatments just fascinating. I, um, I I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. I um, it's and, and so okay, whether it's TMS or some, or something else um, to when somebody starts to feel something, you know, or something's not functioning properly, or let's say, um, you know, it's a child in school and there's signs of maybe OCD, you know, ADHD, ADD, you know, there's, there's something not going on right. You know, it's just, um, there's a struggle, you know, Um, is there, what is the importance or not, I'm sure there is, of, um, Finding, obviously getting diagnosed, but, you know, entering into treatment earlier as opposed to later. So, in other words, if somebody waits too long for whether it's, a, you know, one of these type of treatments or medication or change of diet, whatever, you know, vitamin supplements, whatever it is, do those neurons, you know, become more damaged? Or is it like a groove in, the, in your tires once your alignment is off in your tires, in, in your driving, you know, in that, that groove, you know, that wear and tear becomes kind of deeper and deeper? Is it more difficult to bounce out of? Do you, do you follow what I'm, you know, saying? Like, yes. you know, if somebody ignores, yeah. yes. Yeah. Love that analogy. That's great with the tire and the groove. I love that. I'm going to steal that one. Um, we know that. Yeah. We know, we know there's tons of, of literature and research that absolutely shows the longer someone is in like a depression, um, the harder it is to get out of it. And this is why mm-hmm. we always emphasize as much as we can prevention, 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 and then early intervention. Um same thing with kids. You know, parent, I hear parents struggle a lot because they, they, there is that, that hard line of, well, you know, noticing something, getting into treatment or getting a diagnosis, but not wanting to pathologize every, everything. And, and that's a hard call, right? Um, I, I suggest with hmm. parents, like, if the, the first thing, if you're, you know, if you have a question, then maybe just go get some, you know, advice from a professional and you don't necessarily have to bring your child or teen in um, because I understand that, you know, the, the idea of, well, is this something that veritably needs treatment or is this a phase, right? Is this a, a just a, a growing up phase? Uh, you mentioned OCD. You know, a lot of children go through a little, like, phobic times in their life, um, six, seven, or often sometimes even can have a little tick that, that they completely grow out of. So you, you, mm-hmm. you do want to be cognizant 
of not, you know, maybe making a bigger deal of something when it's not necessarily. But I would say trust your gut as a parent. Most parents have a very good gut for their own kids and know that. And if there's any questions, you know, go go somewhere by yourself and you don't necessarily have to bring your child in right away and, and describe what's going on and get some feedback. Um, but, yeah, and then if, if there is something that's absolutely diagnosed, uh, early intervention is crucial. And it's not only to for better outcomes, because that's one thing that you highlighted, which is super important, you know, quicker outcomes and, you know, but it's, it's what happens during the whole months or years when it's not treated, because then we have um, poor performance, you know, academically, maybe difficulties making friends, and then there's relationship problems, then there's self-esteem issues, then there's risk for other comorbid illnesses. So then we see these individuals struggle more, perhaps with addiction because they're finding a different way to treat their symptoms or, or fit in. Um, so, and this gets back to what I was saying in the very beginning, I think the, the more mental health and mental illness is destigmatized, we will have, you know, just better early intervention and better treatment. Um, because I think yeah. people, still, yeah, they worry about that, well, right? Have you, you know, in the last year or even beyond that, um, do you feel or have you seen any trends with uh, any level of, you know, um, impairment or mental illness or change in behavior, any level of this? Are are people more uh, willing to get help? Are they... Are they seeking out, you know, is the, is the stigma, you know, lessening? Um, dec- that's a horrible word. Decreasing, I should say. Um, yeah. But, you know, is it, is it getting better? Are people feeling more comfortable, um, you know, seeking help, uh, whether it's for them or their child or whatever? Or are we still kind of stuck in that, oh, I'm embarrassed to do this or, I'm, you know, we don't need that. We're better than that. We can conquer it on our own. I, and I'll take lessening. <laughs> Anywhere that's less reducing is great. I do think that we've made great progress on destigmatizing mental illness, and I think people are much more mm-hmm. willing to talk about it. Now, maybe not at uh, complete levels of, um, you know, I'm going there, I'm on this medication, uh, because I think with the pandemic what's come out is at least people are more willing to talk about stress, Right or the need to pay attention to our mental health um, and just talk about it more. But I do think we've, we've made a lot of gains, you know. And as you just see in the media, right, more, more celebrities come out and acknowledge uh, illnesses that they've had, which I think always helps. Um, and we have seen, a, you know, it, it's hard to separate out. We've seen so much more, uh, many more patients coming in for treatment because there's just more mental illness with COVID or is there some destigmatization? And I think it's the latter. I, I think people are getting, you know, better with that. You know, it was, yeah, there was a time. Yeah. I mean, there was a time and people, you know, it was a little before our time, but um, where it was actually like sort of sexy to like have a psychoanalyst and, and be in psychoanalysis. And it was, you know, it was sort of the, the thing. And, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far, but I will say we, I could see us trending there. 
where it could be cool, right? It could be cool <laughs> to, like, be taken care of. Just like you go to the gym, right? People talk about how great it is. They went to mm-hmm. the gym and they work that, you know. I, I think we could get there. Well, like, mm-hmm. wow, it's really cool. I went to this place and, you know, I I helped my brain with whether it was, like, TMS or I did cryotherapy, right, or mm-hmm. an infrared mm-hmm. sauna. Like, it could, it could really um, – I think take off and that would be amazing. Well, yeah, the science element, I mean, we can all kind of get, you know, um, I'm fascinated by the MERT um, that you mentioned. And I want to get to that because um, that, you know, just sounds um, very cool and interesting. And if you can actually look at the brain and the changes in the brain and, you know, as um, whether I'm a patient or whether, you know, it's my child or whatever, to be able to see changes, you know, I not just in mm-hmm. behavior, but like, I guess, you know, on a screen or, you know, whatever, um, that um, I like. And it's amazing that it's not cov- by, covered by insurance. When, so, so let, you know, talk about MERT. How new yeah. is it and when, when, how can that, we get that to more of a mainstream treatment? Yeah, so MERT's actually been around, you know, a decade. Um, so it's been around a long time, and uh, we have even more years of that, of a lot of uh, understanding in the in research and the literature about different brainwave patterns associated with different diagnoses, right? So we know we can see what changes we can see in the brain with somebody who perhaps has ADHD or somebody who has PTSD or depression. Um, so it's been around for a while, but like most things in medicine, it, you know, it also takes a while to, to develop all the, the systems and the you know, just the the infrastructure behind it. And um, so I would say it's really been out more in the public for a couple of years. Uh, Brain Treatment Center was doing it more. And um, so now we've ha- we have it. And it's you're, what, you, what you get to look at, which is, is super cool, is you get this great graph and brain maps of your brain. Um, it's a 20-minute, eyes closed, resting, awake EEG, done right in the office. We actually have even our EEG caps now don't have any goop on them. You know, we're called dry caps in the old days. You know, you had to put all these leads on with all this really awful goop in your hair. So, you know, so people can come from work and go back to work, and uh, that's sort of cool. 20 minutes, they do the EEG, um, and then we get a really cool graph of, of their brain um, from three sort of three points of view, looking at posterior, middle, and, and frontal, and then also brain map with colors and distributions, and then, yeah, every two weeks we see that, and you can actually see the changes in that quantitative EEG and progress uh, towards what we would consider ideal functioning. We all have a, a hertz, believe it or not, an alpha. Alpha is one of the brain waves. It's the waves that you should be in when your eyes are shut and you're awake, and it's 8 to 13 hertz, and we all have an individual hertz that we like to run at um, between that. Most people between 10 and a half and 11 and a half. Um, but it's individual, so we can figure out where that is, and then we target the treatment at a specific hertz um, to get the person there and get them functioning there synchronously with throughout the whole brain. Insurance is hard, Kelly. You know, TMS uh, was FDA approved in 2008, and I would say by about 2016 it started to get on insurances, and now it's really on most all of them. So that's eight years, and that was really fast. I think that's the fastest the device has actually made it on insurance. Um, 
So, gosh, with the word, I would hope mm. we'd be there. And, you know, what's tricky is, you know, what requ- you know, it, it's just, it's, it's whether an, a company can spend the billions, trillions of dollars for an FDA-approved study um, or not is one criteria. And then how much physicians just really keep pushing. And, you know, I'm part of the, I'm on the board of directors of the Clinical PMS Society, and, and we're constantly pushing with the insurance. Um, we just we just got a seat at the APA, which is huge, um, and trying to get in there. And, and so I'm hopeful. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would hope five years, right? It would be, oh. it would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully, eventually, it, it I, will happen. I, go, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry, Kelly. I have I have one woo woo question for for Martha. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got a woo woo question for you, Martha. This is this is something I deal with a lot of. I would say you know high net worth individuals that are running companies are. Are that's because I'm involved in the cryptocurrency industry, and some of these okay. people are retired. Some of them are very active, but they also are always looking for an edge um, so that they can work 30 hours a day. And um, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that we talk about with various groups is a concept of uh, called nootropics. It's uh, Nootropics are drugs, supplements, and other substances and or modalities that are claimed to improve cognitive function, particularly executive functions, memory, creativity, or motivation in healthy individuals. Can you talk about that world and how you're uh, interfacing with that world or not? I'm not sure. Yeah. No, well, that's that's right where like MERT and NAD come in, and even photobiomodulation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So MERT really we use it a lot for peak performance, and so it's the idea that your cognition improves, your executive functioning improves, you you really function really well. And same thing with NAD. So the other word for like the nootropics, we are like it's like biohacking, right? It's sort of like getting in and yes. having your cells and functions function as best as they can. So that's what MERT is ideal for, right, um, for that peak performance. And so we have people come in, I mean, athletics, like sort of recovery, um, you know, it's perfect for professional athletes, those CEOs. Now, I would argue you should mm-hmm. sleep, so maybe not working 30 hours a day, but working more efficiently, right, as you say, <laughs> like really more efficiently with better cognition um, and being able to do that in your 18-hour day uh, would be great. And right. and so the MERT and the NAD and then the photobiomodulation, we didn't really talk about that, but low-level light therapy, and it really targets the, also the mitochondria pretty much in your default network, really good for cognition and preventing cognitive decline. And that's something you do in the privacy of your own mm. home, 20 minutes a day, wearing a, a V-Light device. So, um, yeah, so send, send all those uh, CEOs my way. <laughs> Joe, I'll help them out. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's definitely time. Oh. Um, I wow. have a question um, about PTSD. You mentioned that when we were back um, first yeah. describing MERT. And whether it's with MERT or anything else, we, 
there's been a lot of discussion in this year, but particularly like the last, I would say, four to five months that the restrictions and the constant adaptation and the, a lot of the fear um, as a result of the pandemic and having to change our ways and, and, and in some cases seeing uh, loved ones, colleagues, friends, you know, gravely ill, you know, people afraid to go out of their house, people, you know, having to wear a mask in fear. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation that the pandemic is creating yeah, some PTSD. That's you know, pandemic related. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, absolutely. We we know there's been um, really gross increases in rates of PTSD, and it's all the things you mentioned, um, as well as people coming out of ICUs um, post COVID. So. That in and of itself, obviously, is you know feeling like they could die, but the stress is there. So, so the you know the the rates of PTSD and in, in individuals who have survived and come out of ICU are absolutely huge, but also in the general population, people that have had loved ones um, be infected or be in the ICU and the separation, the the you know, the stress and and trauma of worrying about sometimes it's economic, right? Like, am I going to be able to feed my children? I don't know. I was watching, you guys probably always heard like terrible, these military families Um, saying like 40% of the military families don't have enough money to feed their children now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking. So, so yeah, we've seen huge skywriting rates of PTSD, and, and that's where, you know, people talking to each other, you know, we know for PTSD being able to find a space, just some catharsis to be able to talk about, find others going through the same thing so that you can have some validation you're not alone and not feel isolated in that. Obviously, if you can get professional therapy, um, really important and, you know, if needed, on medications to help with the sleep or the nightmares or, and then like you say, we have murder, IV ketamine. But I, I think it's, it's just, there's been so much stress and it's, it's very traumatic for a lot of people. Um, and we've never seen, we've never seen such a, you know, a, a, at the same time, so many traumatic things. We, we fear for right. our mortality and our like life. We feel for our economic future. You know, we fear for infection. You know, we we fear for our children in terms of how they're doing in school, and what we fear for our future. It's it's incredibly traumatic. You no, know, it is, and I think the longer everybody is withheld from. Uh, what they once knew as normal life, you know, and, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't go back to the office, you, you must wear a mask. You do. I think part of that, you know, the more, the longer that goes on, those those really life-changing or life-pattern-changing restrictions, it, it creates more fear in a lot of people. You know, not everybody, I'm, you know, yeah. generalizing, but, we, but we've seen that. And then and we saw it in the very, very beginning when um, some of the businesses were able to reopen, um, even, even 20% or even people just going back to work to fulfill online orders and they weren't open to the public or something. But a lot of employees didn't, you know, were, they were fearful to go back to work. And I think now fast forward, you know, gosh, nine months, eight months, you know, and this constant up and down and the restrictions. And I'm, I'm really seeing uh, different levels of um, fear, pandemic fear, in, in, you know, related in, in the businesses. So I, um, I hope we can, 
all navigate through that and get past that and and overcome it. Um, but um, not immune to the fact that I think you know it, it's there. It's very real for a lot of people, and we have to figure out a way for the business community also to help navigate that. Yes. Yes. Fully agree. Yeah. All right, Joe. Wow. We did it again. I told you yeah. we'd be wanting more. So fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it is so fast, uh, Martha. I hope you will come back soon because I think that this is a recurring theme as we get to that point where people are feeling that the economy is opening again. I don't know if people will know what to do when things, mm-hmm. quote unquote, return back to normal. I think. Uh, there will still be a lots of needs. Dr. Martha Koo, Neuro Wellness Spa, thank you for joining us today. Thank you both so much. Have a happy Friday. And uh, hope, Kelly, maybe I'll yeah. be at one of the, the movies this weekend. That would be great. There you go. Thank you, <laughs> now, uh, Martha. Now, before, thank you. Before, before you go, Martha, we need all the contact information, the website, the phone number, the email, all of that. Okay, well, thank you so much. So it's neurowellnessspa.com, and that's the the easiest way to um, sort of look up at anything. And then the number, um, actually, I'm going to have to look for that quickly, is 1877. But you know what? I don't have that memorized. Um, <laughs> neurowellnessspa. You know, I don't never, I, I never really call it myself, but neurowellness.spa, um, <laughs> neurowellness.com is the um, best way to, to get it. And all the numbers are on there, and we have a really good call center. They'll certainly just uh, direct got, you wherever Martha, needed and we get got, back to people right away. 877-847-3984. Thank you. 877 Thank you so much. And, of course, Kelly, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Have a beautiful weekend, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.